praise the Lord. I'm looking at Kate because sometimes I wonder where he gets his versions from. You know, for some of us that, that are used to certainly, we're singing and all of a sudden we're thinking, these words don't quite sound like the ones I know. And it's okay. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity once again to go into your work. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you speak to each and every one of us. We thank you for how you started with us because you're already speaking your word. Lord, even as we continue to look into the scriptures, Spirit, teach us so that that our lives will not be the same. We'll be transformed to your glory. We give you praise, O God. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Being paid, thank you for the prayer session. I was thinking to myself as she was leading us in prayer that, you know what? She might as well just take the message. Because she, what she led us to pray about has been what's really been on my mind. And so I, I'm going to share with us very briefly. I'll just say what has been laid on my mind. And that's, that's the message. I pray that God will bless each and every one of us that we listen. For one of, for want of a title, I've called it bearing our burdens. Bearing our burdens. But you know, last week, um, the sermon was on taking up your cross. That each and every one of us has discipled, we need to take up our cross. And that was what Jesus told his disciples. Says, take your cross take up your cross and follow me. So that is something we each need to do. So that we establish that the cross represents two things. It represents the challenges of being a Christian. There, there will always be challenges. We must be ready to weather whatever storms come our way. You know, Christ said that we should be of good cheer, he's overcome. So the, the cross represents the challenges but it also represents the opportunities. It represents the opportunities of being a Christian. The, the opportunity for a new life. This morning we we're talking about in Sunday school about discipleship and how the starting point is being born again, being a Christian. That is what the cross does for us. And we, with that new life, and we talked about treasures, we, we looked at the parable of the one that found, you know, one, a wonderful pearl and sold everything they had to get it. So we, with that opportunity of new life, it's also for us to be able to, you know, spread the word, not keeping it to ourselves. We say that the cross is a place where, you know, the love of God is perfected. Because he died, Jesus Christ died, he rose again. Say God loved his son so much that he gave, he loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son. 
but he gave that son. That son came to this earth, grew up, chose by himself to go to the cross. You know, he had a choice. He made a choice. He said, you know, if, if it's your will, let this call pass over me. He prayed that prayer three times. But he also ended it by saying, you know, not my will, but your will be done. So he had his own will. He had a choice. Yet he went to the cross. He died. If he did not rise again, our faith will be in vain. But he went to the cross. He died and he rose again. And that is why we have a hope. Praise God. I mean, there, there, there were essentially four things that, you know, I feel our expectations of us as Christians, as believers, even as we take up our cross. And we talked about this last week. Firstly, we said that we cannot, you know, we cannot allow ourselves to be mediocre. We have to commit totally to the Lord Jesus. We have to commit totally to the Lord Jesus. Secondly, we have to deny ourselves. We deny the self and let Jesus have total control. It should be all about Jesus. Deny yourself, let Jesus have total control. Thirdly, you have to be ready to endure the pains. We've said that taking up the cross comes with challenges. You have to be ready to endure the pains that come with that, the hardship that come with it, the, you know, the challenges that come with affiliating with God, with Christ. Actually, it's, it's not a problem affiliating with God because there, there are so many gods in court. And the, the common belief now is that, you know, we all serve the same God. It's, you know, it's the same God. It's the same God. The, the problem becomes when you start professing Christ as God, as the Son of God, as the Savior, as Lord and Savior, people then take exception. And they look at you weirdly. They look at you funny. I'm not going to put this young man on the spot. But I think he is, there was a time his data profile was saying something about how either, you know, you know he's, he's all out for God or something. Think, how many of us know Kaka? The footballer. Let's see. Yeah. You, you, you know he's a Christian, right? Giroud is a Christian. These guys, they, they, they profess their faith in their profession. They're not ashamed of it. And it, it reminds me of what Paul said in Romans 1.16, that I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. Can we, can we individually say that? Can we you know, say that I'm not ashamed of it? And even though afflictions may come, even though challenges may come, can I, can I say that, you know what? I'm not, I'm not ashamed to be known as a Christian. I'm not ashamed to proclaim Christ. Some of us will not dare wear T-shirts that, you know, says something about Christ. But we wear all manners of T-shirts that says all manners of things. Let us not be ashamed of God's gospel. Challenges will come with it because of our affiliation with Christ. And as we carry our cross, we need to be ready to, you know, to bear those challenges. And fourthly, you know, that we have to share. 
we have to share this awesome treasure that we've come to receive. It's not just for ourselves. It's not just for ourselves. When we encounter people, are we going out of our way to share the treasure that we've got? When you take off your cross, you're taking it off for yourself. And it, it reminds me of a scripture that talks about everyone bearing their burden. In, that's in Galatians chapter 6. You know, Galatians chapter 6, verse 5. Actually, let's, let's read from verse 1. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. It says, brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one. I didn't finish verse one. <laughs> okay. I, I, she's faster than me. Restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. It says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. Praise the Lord. For each one shall bear his own load. I think the, that passage is interesting in itself. If you read it in different translations, some, some say, you know, bear one another's burden. Then in verse 5, it says, each one should bear his own burden. Each one should bear his own load. And you, you wonder, is it, is it an irony? Or is, is the word irony? Maybe. Is, is it a paradox that it's in bear your own burden, but bear each other's burdens? Can it work together, or are they mutually exclusive? I, I think we can do both. I, th I believe that we need to bear our burdens, but we should also bear one another's burdens. Praise the Lord. You, you know when in Psalm 133, when it talks about how good and pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. I think the, the Hebrew word translated unity is yahad. And it, it talks about harmony. I was going to get the choir to do an exercise for us in you know, an exercise in singing in different keys. I'm sure sometimes there's a there's a joke we make and we say that you know somebody is singing you know singing in union key, and the other is using jam lock, and everything is just mix and match. And you know when people are singing and it's not in harmony, what does it sound like? Noise. I'm sure if I ask Ogan Shemilore to come and play for us now, and one is playing, you know, onward Christian soldier, and Shemilore is drumming to, we are marching in the light of God. How would it sound? And Sir Jude is probably playing, I don't know, Amazing Grace. And then we give blessing, the, you know, the mic, and she's singing, nearer my God to thee. And we put everything together, they mix and match. It will just be total noise. 
But you, you, you think about the choir, you think about an orchestra, so many instruments playing together in harmony, togetherness, and it sounds beautiful. I am like, wow. I, I read about a, a pianist that was teaching the child to play, and the child was playing, and it was just sounding like, can you just, dun, dun, dun. you know, it was literally sounding like that, as in just, boom, 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 boom. It didn't make sense. And the father, being the expert he is, you know, got onto the side of the piano and started filling it in. And, you know, it, it sounded like a beautiful piece. When, when we think about unity and we think about harmony, that is what God expects of us. Individually, we, we may be doing our own thing, but together, you know, that is the beauty of it, the togetherness. We're, we're many, we're different parts, but we're one body. And that's why the scripture says, you know, look at how beautiful and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in harmony, to be in unity, to be of one accord. Even though we have our differences, even though we have our different challenges, even though we have different things we're going through, are we in harmony? Are we of one accord? You know, that passage says that it is in that harmony, it is in that collective togetherness that the Lord commands the blessing of life eternal and you know that that for me is is the challenge i want to put to each and every one of us yes we take up our cross we bear our burdens but we also have to bear one another's burdens praise the lord praise the lord so the statement in itself is very interesting as that's the statement of bear your own load, bear your burden. So it's interesting as, you know, Paul implores the Galatians to bear one another's burdens. On the one hand, you bear each other's burden. On the one hand, you bear, on the other hand, you bear your own burden. What does that, what does that mean? What does that say to us? You know, if you, if you look at verse 1 of that, Galatians 6, essentially we see that it is possible for believers to sin. It is possible for, it says, brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, if a man, he's talking about brethren, folks, believers like ourselves, if one is overtaken in any transfer. So the possibility is there for sin. Is it a certainty? I'll say no. He didn't say when a man is overtaken in transfer. He said if a man. So yes, sin is possible as Christians, as believers, it is possible. But is it a certainty that we will? No. We, we talked about, you know, the carnal man, the carnal believer, the one in the flesh. If we're still trying to serve two masters, it will, you know, we will inevitably fall into the trap of, 
you know, sin. We need, we need to be spiritually minded. Praise the Lord. If a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, such a, you know, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself lest you be tempted. You who are spiritual, restore such a one, considering yourself lest you be tempted. The NLT says, dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back into the right path. And be careful, be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. So we, we have to take care. Verse 4 goes on also to say, pay careful attention to your own work. There is, there is an intentional aspect to it. We have to be careful. We have to be careful whilst we're trying to help. The charges bear one another's burdens. So one is going through a challenge. We should be there for them. One is going through a problem. Are you there to support such a one? But in supporting, I know that Paul was talking in this context about sin, about trespasses. But we can equally apply to pretty much all works of life. You know, in our daily lives, are we there for one another? If my brother needs help, am I there for him? Am I there for my sister? Am I there to support them? Praise God. That, that is what God expects of us. We help each other. But we... we you know, in, in doing that, Paul also said that, check yourself. Check yourself. Examine yourself so that you too don't fall into the same temptation. So that you, you too don't fall into the same challenge. So there, there is a place for self-reflection. There's a place for you to examine yourself. It's not, it's not so much comparing yourself with others. Unfortunately, you know, verse 1 says we should do it with humility and gentleness. Unfortunately, there are so many Christians that if they're going to correct anyone, wow. you know, before they even correct, you were here. After they finish preaching to you, you'll be here. And then they'll now be trying to lift you up. I always say something. I always say that, you know, you, you, don't, you, don't, you don't kick a man that is down. He's already down. And then you start telling them, don't you know this is wrong? This is evil. This is devilish. This is sin. How can you? You should know better. And maybe that person came to you, you know, saying that, you know what? I goofed. I messed up, hands up, I, I you know, I, I've, I've done wrong. And the first thing you do is to slag them for doing wrong and to point out all the reasons from Genesis to Revelation why what they've done is wrong and is not acceptable before God. 
we correct and love. But, you know, Paul said we should also be examining ourselves. What should be our measure? Our measure should be Christ. What should be our standard? Our standard should be Christ. Not what we think is right. Not how we think is right. You, you know sin is sin, yes? So the, the guy that's struggling with pornography that comes to you for counsel and the only thing you can do is to berate him at how terrible it is. For you, you don't have any issues in, you know, telling white lies. Is that all? Tell them I'm sleeping. Or tell them I'm not at all. Ah, I don't want to see that person. Tell them I'm not around. And you, you find a, an issue with the person that is, oh, they, they are challenged by, you know, kleptomania. They can't help themselves. They just find themselves stealing. Yes, they, they, we pray for deliverance. But what's the difference with you that is lying or, you know, tell them I'm not around. Tell them I'm unavailable. And the one that is committing some serious crime God, God will help us in Jesus' name. Can we, can we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 12 and 13? 2 Corinthians 10, 12 and 13. It says, For we do not presume to rank or compare ourselves with some of those who commend themselves. But when they measure themselves by themselves, and compare themselves with themselves, they have no understanding. Bible says those who compare themselves with themselves are not wise. It says they have no understanding. But we will not boast beyond our measure, but within the measure of the domain, which is God, as, which is God assigned to us as a measure to reach even as far as you. We do not compare ourselves with one another. It says those who compare themselves with themselves are not wise. You know, what led, what led Paul to write to the Galatians about bearing one another's burden and about, you know, each man being, you know, bearing their own burden? You know, it all started with, you know, the fact that these, you know, we talk about the, the Messianic Jews. We thought, you know, when the believers became Christians, there were still a lot of Jewish practices that they were engaging with. There's a Yoruba phrase I learned as a child, even before I knew any passage of the scripture. They say, Oponara Galatia. And what, what is that? You know, it's essentially a phrase Paul said that, you know, all oh, you foolish Galatians. And he said that in trying to correct them that, you know what, you received the pure gospel. And then some have come and they've, they've tried to adulterate it. That you have to, you have to, you know, be subject to the law or that there is a greater law, the law of Christ. You know, you, you, don't, you have to be circumcised. You have to do, 
that you're no longer bound by that, that God has invited us all, irrespective of where we're coming from, irrespective of our background, into one family. And as one family, you ought to be there for one another. And that, that, was, that was the thrust of the message you were sharing with them. So some of you, you're there. Some of you, you're trying to get there. Are you supporting one another? If one of us is struggling, are you there to help them? If one is in need, we see that in the book of Acts. It said, you know, those who had, they sold, they brought to the church. I'm not saying go sell your property. That's not what I'm saying. But everyone came together so that there was none needing, you know, in the body of Christ. Folks, we always say that, you know, the poor will not cease. The Bible says in the land. It didn't say in the church. It didn't say in the church. There will always be poor in the land. Praise the Lord. Okay, some people are trying to test my Yoruba skills. It says, Enyalai Runara Galatia. Tanya Tony. Okay, it's changed it. He knows that I passed. I passed even with that little one. But yeah, um, it says, Who bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ has clearly portrayed among you as crucified. But the, the essence of it is, so you know the truth. Let us be there for one another. Let us support one another. You know, something, something happened this week, and I was, so, I was so impressed. So one of us had to go to the hospital, and people were rising from left, right, and center. One went to check on the person in the hospital, another took you know, was taking care of the child. Another was providing food. Another took the child to the school. Someone that went to work all night, didn't go to sleep the following morning, drove from his place to go and pick the child, to take the child to school. Another had to make arrangements. And I, I was thinking to myself, this is love. And this is how it should be. This is how it should be. And for me, that is bearing one another's burdens. It's not just in the place of sin. Some years ago, I was saying to her sister that I just moved to the UK and she had to move houses. And I said, if you cannot call on folks in the church when you need help, when you need assistance, who are you going to call on? Who, who would you call as a Christian? Who should be your first port of call? We should, as believers, praise the Lord. You know, if you, if you think about the parable of the Good Samaritan, you're going to see that in Luke 10. One thing, what led to that story? Jesus Christ was, you know, asked, who, you know, the greatest commandment, who's, you know, who, the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God. Second, like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And he was asked, who's my neighbor? And his response was to tell the story of the Good Samaritan. You know, if we think about it, the Good Samaritan 
the neighbor was the person who was there to support. There were folks there, the scribes, the Pharisee, they were all there. But the, the Samaritan that was different, that was different, that was not like, was the one that went out of his way to care, to cater, to do good deeds. Are we, are we neighbors to each other? If Charles needs something, can Charles call on me without, without thinking twice about it? And say, you know what? You know, or is, is his first port of call going to be his colleagues at work because they're more trustworthy or because he knows they'll step up for him? If that is the case, then there's a problem. If Dami cannot rely on me to say, okay, you know, there's something going on. And Dami thinks, oh, let me call, I don't know, let me call Shimlori. But he then thinks, hmm, you know, then it will become something else. There's a problem. Who do we think about when, when, we, need, so when we need support? When we're meant to be one body, one body in unity. We're brothers, we're sisters in Christ. It says, though we are many, we are one body in Christ. So if I cannot call on part of my body to do something, who would I call on? Praise God. My, my prayer, honestly, that, that is what's been laid on my heart. And I pray that God will help each and every one of us. Last week, we talked about James 2. I think verse 18, that says that, show me your faith without works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. I'll show you my faith by the things I do. For me, our faith is demonstrated when we're there for one another, when we're bearing one another's burdens, when we're there to support one another. How are you doing that? How are you doing that? For those of you that are at home, how are you doing that? Who are you relying on? Yeah, we rely ultimately on Christ. God is our ultimate source. But he's placed each and every one of us here for a reason. He's placed each and every one of us in each other's lives for a reason. We cannot, we cannot be together and yet be going through challenges and not be able to speak out. You know, they, they, they talk about suffering in silence. Water everywhere, yet people are dying of thirst. Show me your faith without your works. I'll show you my faith by my works. So that we need to get to a place where we're comfortable to talk with each other, to confide in each other, to trust that we will support one another and not judge each other. We're not in competition, but should collaborate to push forward the kingdom objective. We're stronger together. And I think that's the key word, togetherness, unity. We're stronger together. We act together. You know, we, for two weeks, we're looking at the fruit of the spirit the characters 
the character traits that the Spirit of God comes to, you know, bear in us. Are we really walking, you know, in line with the Spirit of God? The same Galatians that say that if we live by the Spirit, Galatians 5.25, then we should also walk in the Spirit. We should keep in step with the Spirit. Thank God for the corporate prayers about, you know, us doing good works. Paul went on to say in that same Galatians 6 in verse 10, that we should do good to all men. We should do good to all men, but particularly those that are of the household of faith. Particularly those that are of the household of faith. So what good are you doing to those in the household of faith? You have to do good because that's what we're enjoined to do. It says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. My question to us, are you actively working to develop your godly characters? Are you doing good to those who are in the household of faith? Are you doing good generally? And most are you doing it to those in the household of faith? Are you bearing one another's burdens? Are you there for one another? Can someone else in this church call on you? And will you respond? Are you, are you confident that when you call on others, they will respond? Ask yourself that question. Is there anyone in this body of Christ, in this particular heart, that you know that I can call on? You should get to that place where you're comfortable with the entire body. Are you doing your bit in the body? I pray that God will help each and every one of us in Jesus' name. Let's just bow our heads and, and pray. We're, we're being enjoined to bear one another's burdens. We, we know that there's a place for reflection. You know, Paul said that those who are spiritually there should support those who might be challenged. When a brother or a sister comes to us, do we pray for them? Most certainly we do. Or do we go to the next step and, you know, practically assist, practically support in whatever area there might be a need. May the Holy Spirit help us to be worshippers in deed, worshippers in spirit, worshippers in truth, a people that are totally yielded, a people that are doing the works, a people that are in unity, in togetherness, in harmony, that indeed will be one body, not just in name, not just in words, but in our deeds. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace to accomplish this. Your word says, can two work together unless they agree? 
We pray, Lord, that we'll continually as a church, as a body, we'll be in agreement, supporting one another, helping one another, doing good, especially to those in this household of faith. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord.